Welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 107, entitled The Moth. Let's start with a uh, summary of the episode from Wikipedia. In the flashbacks of the episode, Charlie is in church confessing his sins. He comes out of confession and sees his older brother Liam, who tells Charlie that Driveshaft has a recording contract. Charlie doesn't want to sign the record contract because he has qualms about the sex and drugs the band engages in. Liam talks him into signing, promising that Charlie can quit any time he's had enough. Another flashback shows Charlie finding Liam high on heroin with groupies. Charlie kicks them out and tells Liam that he's done with the band. Liam says no, which causes Charlie to use heroin for the first time. Years later, Charlie visits Liam's house in Australia and wants him to rejoin Driveshaft for their comeback tour. Liam refuses and criticizes Charlie for still using drugs. Charlie angrily leaves and says he has a plane to catch. For the on-island segment of the episode, Charlie is suffering from heroin withdrawal when John Locke took his stash from a previous episode. Charlie asks Locke for the heroin that Locke has taken, and Locke says that he'll give Charlie the drugs the third time he asks. Saeed, Kate, and Boone attempt to triangulate the French transmission. At the caves, Charlie confronts Jack in an inner cave. Charlie's shouting causes the entrance to the cave, uh, of the cave to collapse, and Charlie escapes, but Jack is trapped inside. In the jungle, Sawyer goes to tell Kate about Jack's predicament, but decides against it because he doesn't like Kate's attitude. Kate and Sawyer stay at the second triangulation point, while Saeed goes to the third. Sawyer tells Kate about Jack's situation, and she runs back to the caves. Charlie squeezes through an opening at the cave and finds Jack. Just when they think they are going to run out of air soon, and while Kate tries to desperately dig them out, Charlie sees a moth, which leads him to an opening and they dig out of the cave. Saeed and the others turn on the transceiver, but before he is able to triangulate the signal, an unseen person knocks Saeed out. As the episode wraps up, Charlie asks Locke for his heroin and gets it back. Charlie looks at it for a moment before tossing it into the fire, smiling. Charlie and Locke see a moth flying away. Now we'll get into my uh, various thoughts about the episode. Uh, It's a solid opening of Charlie battling heroin. Uh, It's an interesting choice, too, to have Locke be the self-appointed rehab counselor. Um, I mean, it it works very, very well in the episode. It makes sense. Uh, It certainly gives Locke the Zen master something to do uh, in the episode and uh, you know a chance to be uh, interacting with other characters and whatnot. Um, it, it just wouldn't have struck me as the first choice dramatically, but uh, as I said, it, it really does work very nicely. Also in this episode, there's uh, kind of like another placeholder moment, another recap moment. If you've just joined the show and you don't want to rely on the previously on Lost bit, 
they have within the dialogue in these early episodes these moments to remind everyone what's going on. Uh, in this, Jack and Kate talk about how they crashed eight days ago, how there's a radio message looping by the French woman. Just, again, it's this attempt by the writers, sometimes it's effective, sometimes not, but an attempt by the writers to organically work into the episode uh, these reminders, uh, which I think are meant uh, for, for new viewers. Um, on the acting front, there's some very, very, very nice acting from Charlie when he's scared and running. Uh, toward, in the beginning of the episode, he's running from uh, from away from boars or a single boar. Um, just really nice acting out of Dominic Monaghan. He looks genuinely scared, genuinely frightened. Um, and then we get into the uh, flashbacks. Uh, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, I'm a huge Charlie fan. Very, very happy uh, to see a Charlie episode. And um, right, boom, the first flashback, we get a sense of who Charlie Pace was. My last confession. Go ahead, my son. Last night I had physical relations with a girl I didn't even know. I see. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, right after that I had relations with another girl then straight after that I I watched while they had relations with each other you see it's it's my band father drive shaft we've been playing the clubs in Manchester and uh, we've been getting some heat a uh, following it's so tactfully put, isn't it? Uh, particularly for that eight o'clock uh, time slot that uh, Lost had for the first season or two. Just uh, I don't know. It's uh, salacious and also humorous at the same time, and uh, they they tiptoe so carefully. But it it uh, it's it's a good bit of writing, certainly. I also love too how he seems to plug the band to the priest. You know, he has to get the name Drive Shaft in just in case. The priest, uh, I, I don't know, was interested in checking out a show or something. Um, moving on to a slightly different topic, although still Charlie related. Um, when Charlie is just about to ask for his drugs, he's out of focus. You may recall in um, episode 103, Tabula Rasa, Kate is uh, out of focus for part of one scene, uh, a beach scene. Uh, I don't know. They have, uh, you know, there's, I believe there is someone who has the job of keeping the expensive actors in, in proper focus. And uh, I don't know how it wasn't caught or whatnot, but sure enough, there's a moment where he's uh, blurry. Um, there's also a very nice touch of Locke delivering dialogue to Charlie. And he punctuates at a certain point with flipping his knife open. And he ends the dialogue with stepping away to slit the boar's throat. Uh, obviously, the actual. Killing of the boar is done uh, off camera while the, the camera shows Charlie. But uh, it's just, you know, it's nice acting, or if it was written that way, it's nice writing as well. Um, quite, quite a good job indeed. Um, another bonus in this episode is seeing how poorly Kate treats Sawyer. And it, it comes back to bite her later in the episode. But um, it's, it, she, she's a bit unfair to him um, in the beginning, as you'll see from this clip. Hey. What the hell are you doing here? Easy. 
just came to tell you something. What makes you think I'm interested in anything you have to say? Just came to tell you you were right about me. That I don't help anyone but myself. Well, here I am, ready to pitch in. You're here to help. Hey, you're acting more surprised, I'm gonna get offended. I mean, let's go easy here, Kate. Let's let's be fair here. Um, and you know, as as I said, it certainly bites her uh, later in the episode, uh, which we will discuss in due course. Um, Certainly, I mean, this clip captures how, from day one, Sawyer has been the lovable Han Solo rogue, uh, you know, as I say, since the beginning, but particularly looking back, which is the whole uh, conceit of this podcast, we know the the uh, reliable, uh, good-hearted character that he really is deep down, despite the twists and turns that his life has taken. Um, so it certainly is ironic uh, not only from what, what one would know just watching these episodes in order through this episode, but having seen the series as a whole, uh, it's ironic to look back and see Kate, him, Kate treat him like such a pariah and a villain. It's, you know, it's, it's her being a bit rough, certainly. Um, moving on, there are some, uh, there's some excellent transitions in the uh, episode, too. Transitions from On the Island story to, uh, to the flashback. Uh, for example, Jack tells Charlie that Jack doesn't need him. This is towards the beginning of the episode when they're still moving stuff into the cave. Um, and then there's a cut to the flashback where Liam tells Charlie that the band needs him. So it goes from we don't need you to we do need you. Uh, and I mean, indeed, that's kind of uh, certainly a major running theme for the episode, this um, need that Charlie seems to have to be appreciated in a particular way. Um, I think drives some of the choices that he has uh, later in the episode, and we'll we'll certainly get to that in in five or ten minutes. Um, it, on a slightly less uh, praising note, now it seems to me that there's just a bit of you, you can see the hand of the writer a bit with this business uh, involving the cave in. Um, it's the problem which drives the episode on island, and to a certain degree, it's helping inform the flashbacks. Uh, it just comes across as a little made up. You know, Act 1, they move into the cave. Act 2, there's a cave-in. Act 3, they deal with the cave-in. Act 4, they solve the cave-in. It's a little boom, 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 boom. You know, I, I there are so many wonderful episodes of Lost that I, perhaps I'm being too nitpicky, but... I, you know, there's just some things where it's a little like, well, how are we going to get through this episode? All right, well, some, you know, a big problem, a problem that they work with, and a problem that they solve at the end. That'll do it. Um, anyhow, speaking of some of the longer-term problems, there's this issue of uh, Saeed uh, wanting to triangulate the signal properly. And um, not only uh, uh, does that then involve some other characters, Sawyer, Kate, Boone, Shannon... But uh, it gives the writers another opportunity to make sure that we've stopped and made sure that every single person at home knows what's going on, as shown by this clip. Shannon, you have to be ready to do something really important, okay? Five o'clock sharp. You need to be ready to turn that antenna on over there. There's a switch at the base. Why? Because Kate and Saeed are triangulating the French signal. But the antenna's power is really weak, so you have to wait until they fire their bottle rockets. 
and you fire this one, then you turn on the antenna. Got it? Switch is where now? Did you hear what I said? Can you or can't you do it? Yeah, I can. Okay. 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 So we've checked off uh, a little recap for the uh, uh, long-term mystery and the sleuthing that's going to go on. We've also reinforced Boone's responsibility. We've reinforced Shannon's lackadaisical attitude and how it's hiding somebody who's more capable beneath. Again, I feel like the writers in this particular uh, bit here, it's just check, check, check. We need to, you know, we have a lot of balls in the air that we're juggling. We need to make sure that each one is getting a little time uh, for the audience and in the audience's mind. Um, however, if that was heavy-handed at all, we have something that's even more heavy-handed. The moth metaphor that, you know, in case you are asleep, they decide to, to turn up the volume and say, this is an important moment, so listen. And indeed, now you can listen to this clip. What do you suppose is in that cocoon, Charlie? No, a, a butterfly, I guess. It's much more beautiful than that. That's a moth cocoon. It's ironic, butterflies get all the attention, but moths, they spin silk. They're stronger, they're faster. That's wonderful, but you see this little hole? This moth's just about to emerge. It's in there right now, struggling. It's digging its way through the thick hide of the cocoon. Now, I could help it. Take my knife. Gently widen the opening, and the moth would be free. But it would be too weak to survive. The struggle is nature's way of strengthening it. Now, this is the second time you've asked me for your drugs back. Ask me again, and it's yours. To me, it's just a tad too clean it's a, too, a bit too in your face the writing is a bit too on the nose to say you charlie are the moth we're not only going to call the episode the moth we're not only going to have the the metaphor of the moth introduced clearly and painstakingly uh 20 minutes into the episode halfway through the episode but we're going to then refer back to the metaphor of the moth to help you get out of the cave, and then at the very conclusion of the episode to signal that you uh, you you are now free of your 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 drug addiction. It's just a bit too right on the nose. When there there can be some subtlety here, um, I feel like this episode for me uh, there were a number of areas where giving a second reflection. My uh, my kind of uh, take on the episode, the the flavors that I found in it, changed. There's this business with the moth, which which I'll return to uh, towards the end because I am trying to move in chronological uh, chronological order through the episode. Um, then there's also this there's this business with Sawyer and Kate and how she treats him and how he's responding. He certainly does upon second reflection he does have a cruel side that's shown in this episode um sure his kindness is mistaken in the first half of the episode he's prepared to help he's prepared to give the laptop battery he's happy to help with the calculating of the transmission but he waits until kate is good and settled to accidentally quote unquote accidentally spill the beans and tell her about jack's injury in the cave 
On another uh, topic, there's some great, great camera work when Charlie confronts Liam about Liam's drug use. The room is filled with mirrors, and there are, at least as far as I could tell, and I was looking the entire time, there are no mistakes where the camera is reflected, where you see a microphone, where you see a crew member. Um, after I had uh, rewatched the episode and jotted down my notes, I looked on Lostpedia, and they said, they claimed that in the dressing room scene as Liam, Liam exits, you can see various crew members in the mirrors, and you can see that post-production has attempted to blur them out. I'm telling you, I mean, maybe I need to go back and look again, but I'm telling you, I looked, and it was, to me, it was a solid, solid bit of uh, the craft of, uh, of cinema uh, to just not see people reflected in the mirror. Um, also, kind of in this, this craft of uh, TV and movie, seeing the older, clean Liam, the drug-free Liam, is also this exercise in just a quick and easy bit of, uh, of uh, TV and movie problem-solving. You trim off Liam, Liam's mutton chops, you put him in glasses, a collared shirt and a sweater, he looks like Mr. Responsible. You throw the, the little girl in there who's supposed to be his daughter, you, you show what it, you imagine is his proper house with his nice backyard and a little table and some lemonade, and he's just Captain Responsibility, Mr. Straight Tie, you know, you, you wouldn't think that he had this CD passed to him. Um... Anyhow, back to this business of the, the, the metaphorizing that the episode uses, that of Charlie the Moth. I think it's also a bit ham-handed to, to see Charlie dig his way out of the cave just the way, just the way the moth works its way out of a cocoon. I much prefer the upcoming Charlie episode where his flashback, which, uh, which is that of him selling copiers and being involved with the curvy woman, that flashback is something that directly influences his on-island behavior in that episode. With this, it's like the, the, the flashback is to show us his past, and then some of this other on-island stuff with the moth is just hammering home what he needs to do. Now, that said, I mean, as I've said before, Charlie is my favorite character in this first season, and he was a huge welcome return when he comes back at the end of season six. However, in this episode, he doesn't come across great as a, as, a, as, a, as a person, if the character were to be a real person. He comes across as somebody who just cries out for recognition, fame, approval. And there's part of his rescue in Jack that almost seems to be self-serving. He's not doing it to get himself out. He's doing it to, to have the group of people congratulate him, just as there used to be the group of people uh, in the audience cheering him or the group of people backstage patting him on the back. Um, furthermore, continuing some of the, the heavy-handedness in this episode, Charlie asking for his drugs the third and final time. It, you can almost see the heavy pen of the writer in this. Charlie could walk up to Locke and say, hey, I want to throw, throw my drugs in the fire, so give them to me. I'm done with them. Instead, he walks up, strung out, sweating, hood up demanding them while the foreboding Michael Giacchino music tells us to worry, to watch out. Only after staring at the drugs like a maniacal child looking at a pile of chocolate does Charlie then throw them in the fire. It's a little manipulative. Now, it's obviously built, done to build up tension as the episode is, uh, is wrapping up. That said... I think that they need to do that because the final 10 minutes or so of the episode suffer from some pacing problems. Let's start with the, the ending the way it is. 
So Charlie has thrown the drugs in the fire. And then he looks up and he watches the moth fly free. With that, it's the last shot. Boom. And the word lost appears. End of episode. Is this the greatest way to end the episode? No. What are we worrying about for next week? We solved this week's problem. What's the ongoing story? The ongoing story is who hit Saeed and, you know, and who has impeded the knowing about, to, to know more about the French woman and the transmission, etc. Instead of the made-up tension of Charlie asking for his drugs the third time, what if the episode ended with Saeed and company getting ready to find the transmission? Yes, yes, Saeed could say, I'm, I'm scanning, I'm finding the transmission source, I'm getting a proper signal and whatnot. Then you see the, 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 the piece of wood come into frame in the background Boom, hit him on the head, he falls out, uh, Saeed falls out of frame, cut to the black, boom, lost. That would have made a fantastic springboard for the, for the following episode. Alas, I mean, I guess they were still truly setting up how to make the best show that they can. I don't know if that would have, if that even occurred to them at all. I mean, perhaps they were saying, well, this is a Charlie episode, we're focusing on Charlie, that's the A story. We want you to care about the people more than you care about the monster, more than you care about the mysteries. It's people first, and that's all true, and that's all fine. But I care about Saeed. I care about these people trying to find a way off. I care about them discovering the mysteries. Um, oh, well, c'est la vie. I suppose every, uh, every episode can't be perfect. Um, moving on now to uh, where I've checked Lostpedia to see any odds and ends or bits and pieces that haven't occurred to me. Um, they note, does Lostpedia, that uh, for the first time, most of the survivors get a wardrobe change. So, yay, no stinky clothing. Um, a bit more intellectually, Lostpedia mentions that there's a pattern of three in this episode, and it gets repeated and repeated. In the confessional, Charlie recalls three sinful experiences, which granted occurred on the same night, but three sinful experiences. Locke gives Charlie three opportunities to ask for his heroin back. Saeed's plan to isolate the distress signal involves using three antennas and three individuals located at three different points. And Charlie sees the moth three times, once in the cocoon, once out of the cave, or, you know, coming out of the cave, and then once flying over the fire. And uh, also I'd mentioned these claims about seeing film uh, members in, the, in the, the, the backstage scene with the mirror, which... Life of me, I, I couldn't see. Um, so with that, now this episode uh, starts to wrap up. Uh, I would love to get uh, feedback to hear from you all out there. It's been wonderful to see people uh, downloading the episode. Uh, you can say hello to me on Twitter at twitter.com slash lookingbacklost. You can send an email or you can uh, record a voice message on your iPod or, uh, or iPhone. Uh, and send that my way, and I could play it in the podcast. Uh, either way, you could email your written or voice message to Looking Back at Lost, all spelled out, Looking Back at Lost at gmail.com. You can take a peek at the webpage, leave a comment there, Looking Back at Lost.podbean.com. And last but not least, you can always check me out on iTunes, leave a review, uh, vote for a couple stars or whatnot. I certainly hope that you uh, join me next week where the episode will be 108 entitled Confidence Man, the uh, Sawyer episode, uh, another fantastic episode, uh, and the beginning of, uh, well, of the 
the Sawyer flashbacks and the Sawyer mystery. So uh, with that, thank you once again for listening. It's always a fantastic pleasure to be doing the podcast. And take care. Bye-bye. Last night, I had physical relations with a girl I didn't even know. Right after that, I had relations with another girl. Then straight after that, I, I watched while they had relations with each other.